Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Travel Safely is presented by Applied Information, creator of the Travel Safely smartphone app. Hi, good afternoon and welcome to Travel Safely. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Mulligan, and uh, today I'm privileged to have as our guest Alyssa Davis from the uh, Sugarloaf CID. This is a show about uh, transportation, technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship, and I'm delighted to have Alyssa with us this afternoon to, to talk about some of these things and the work that she's doing at uh, the Sugarloaf CID. So welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, uh, first of all, maybe talk us through uh, the Alyssa story. How did you end up at, uh, at the uh, Sugarloaf CID and uh, what, how did that happen? Oh, I feel like that it's kind of a long story, so I'll try not to make it too long. Um, so, uh, I actually grew up in Atlanta, uh, went to school in North Carolina, and then after college, um, did Teach for America in New York City and taught at a school in the Bronx. and. That was really what got me interested in transportation. I uh, went from, you know, having grown up in Atlanta, driving everywhere to uh, taking transit and walking to get around, not having a car. And um, when I moved back to Atlanta, realized um, that a lot of the issues I was thinking of, you know, in terms of education and community and land use and transportation uh, were city planning issues. And so I went to Georgia Tech for the master's in city oh, wow. and regional planning program. and. That was what led me led me to CIDs. I did not know what a CID was until I went to Georgia Tech and joined the master's program there. So, um, yeah. So got my internship actually at uh, it's called Gwinnett Village now Gateway 85 CID while I was getting my master's at Tech, and that led me to a full time job when I graduated. So, so what's quite interesting about Georgia is the concept of community improvement districts. It's actually somewhat unknown in the rest of the country. There are just different versions in some other states. But talk us through the community improvement district and what that means and how it actually delivers value to, to citizens. Yeah, so a community improvement district and other parts of the country are known as business improvement districts. Um, and really, it's a group of commercial property owners. So um, it's only, you know, office, industrial, um, retail, restaurants, that kind of thing, who can, are eligible to be members of the CID. So they uh, come together and decide they want to improve the community. So they voluntarily sign up to pay an additional tax. And that additional millage um, is collected by the county and then dispersed to the CID. So we fund improvements in the district. So uh, really our goal is to make the area safe, attractive, and connected. So we uh, are led by a board of directors who are the commercial property owners who are investing in the district and they determine how our funds are spent. And I'm the person that they hired to, you know, go out and actually get the projects done. <laughs> No, that, that's, in fact, it's quite an interesting uh, story. And often there's this conflict between tax and private sector and, 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 and so forth and entrepreneurship. And what's quite interesting about the CIDs, and I find, uh, find fascinating, this is really um, capitalism at its best, where actually the owners of the commercial properties, yes, they've got a long-term interest in, 
in, in making their communities more livable and more attractive to attract tenants and so forth, but it's really them investing and voluntarily making their communities better, which often the stereotypical capitalist is mm. seen as this evil developer raping and pillaging, but this is actually quite the, the opposite of that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great example of a uh, public-private partnership, right? That you have the business community coming in and saying, hey, we, you know, have a stake in improving this area. And so what the CID does is we, um, we partner a lot of times with the local government to get projects done that w otherwise would maybe be done 10 years from now, 20 years from now. The CID can speed things up and get things done faster. Um, and it's just a great example of uh, partnership with local government to improve the community. So, so how do you guys, are you open to people, you know, advocating for projects in your district? Or how does your, how do you get onto the project list at the Sugarloaf CID? So we uh, have done a number of plans and studies to determine what projects are needed. Our initial, during our initial formation, there were um, a number of intersection studies done and then we actually went through the process once I started of doing a livable centers initiative study um, and I'm sure you're familiar with that program out of the Atlanta Regional Commission and it's a great way to do a master plan for an area and to think about that land use transportation connection which you know for our commercial property owners is such an important issue um, thinking about the land use in correlation with the transportation and um, we came up with a, a long list of projects focused you know not just on traffic flow but that walkability transit um, that kind of thing because really we're planning our area it's the area the Sugarloaf CID is the area that is around the Infinite Energy Center um, Sugarloaf Parkway off of I-85 and that is becoming Gwinnett's downtown Mm. Um, so we have a huge entertainment district with the Infinite Energy Center, and then we have um, a lot of great Class A office space. So we're really an entertainment and biz business district, and that's why we framed ourselves as we're downtown Gwinnett. So, so what's quite, quite interesting for me as a technology uh, guy and an innovator and disruptor and so forth is how you factor into uh, the, the planning process the disruption of technology. And I'm going to give you an example. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I said before we started, I'm not going to give you any gotcha <laughs> moments, but here, here's one. How do you as a planner plan for something like scooters, where suddenly five million scooters just fell out of the sky and suddenly they're everywhere. And that's a, like a really disruptive you know, modal, mm -hmm. new mode of transportation. Uh, you know, how, how, do, how can you accommodate that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I don't think anybody saw the scooters coming, right? They just one day appeared everywhere. We actually have not had scooters in our district show up yet. Um, but I would imagine with, you know, our further development as we become more dense um, and trails, you know, op offer an opportunity for, for scooters. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, in terms of transportation planning, we have to be thinking outside the box right not just in terms of what we have today but how you know the infrastructure we're putting in place today we can adapt and accommodate new technologies as they come on um, e you know even with transit plans I think there's a lot of great opportunities for transit to um, improve with new technologies and you know Gwinnett County um, in the transit plan that um, they've come up with that's on the ballot in November um, they have the microtransit, which is such a great concept of mm. 
taking similar to what you know Uber and other ride sharing do, where you can have more on-demand transit. And I think, you know, just the things that we're planning for now maybe we won't foresee all those changes that are coming but a lot of these investments can be adapted to accommodate the technology changes over time yes and the interesting thing about deploying technology uh, especially in, in transportation if you do it on a platform basis you can deliver new applications uh, which pop out of mm-hmm. like scooters and so forth and uh, I'll bounce one o- off you to see how this strikes you uh, is that our co- in applied information uh, we use the Travel Safely app to win a project in California and what the ca- this California project was based on pelotons of cyclists mm-hmm. is to get cyclists green lights to encourage cycling and make cycling safer so as we were de- actually testing this here in Alpharetta, where we've got our technology laboratory, uh, we're actually driving around this peloton of cyclists, giving them r- green lights. And that's where I realized, I had this insight, that a peloton of cyclists is logically and functionally identical to a zero-emission bus. It's actually like transit. It's mm-hmm. a group of people in one place who perhaps weren't being treated as a special class because they're, they're driving together and, and, and providing a zero emission form of transportation. Yeah, yeah. And that's I've, that's really interesting. I had not thought of that, but, <laughs> you know, it does make a lot of sense. Um, I'm not personally a cyclist. My brother <laughs> is a big cyclist, um, like doesn't care about riding in crazy traffic, whereas I'm I'll be good on my little path. Yeah. So, you know, not on not in the traffic, but it is a huge disincentive if you're having to stop it all these lights and all these but know, al- but so also what yeah. the, the interesting thing that's emerged uh, is that it's actually crossing the traffic yeah so, so that when you actually having people make a left turn this peloton you can actually make uh, the traffic stop for them but also what you can do which has been uh, quite powerful and quite interesting is that you can have certain corridors mm-hmm. which are cyclist friendly and you apply so the, you know, the cyclist priority in those corridors so that the traffic generally flows along with the cyclists. And then other corridors are for conventional automobiles and vehicles. And so those are not cyclist friendly. And then the cyclists would gravitate yeah. to, to working on the, going on the cyclist friendly roads. So uh, in a, the, there's an interesting thing about innovation, if I put it to you like this. If you think the pace of change is fast now, it's the slowest it's going to be for the rest of your life. The pace of change is only accelerating. Yeah. So, so, so we, after the break, we'll uh, talk about COVID and some of the, the other challenges that we've been facing in, in, in business. But what are, the, are the, some of the kind of projects that the Sugarloaf CID is, is taking on? Yeah. So, um, well, I guess one of the projects that's not necessarily in transportation, but you like, might like because it's technology related is um, in our safety arena, working with a company, Flock Safety, that has cloud-connected uh, cameras that right. read license plates. So it's been a great partnership between us and the Gwinnett Police. So these cameras are put throughout our district on the major roadways so that we catch vehicles when they're coming and going. And the great thing about this is that the police have access to that information. So the cameras read license plates day or night. 
Um, they record the make, model, color. They record all that information so that if there is any crime or incident that occurs, the police can automatically search and respond. And um, if they're stolen vehicles, they'll show up immediately. Um, so it's a lot of the crimes that we've had in, in our district um, that impact the commercial properties are these property crimes, car break-ins, you know, something stolen from a property. And the great thing is that we've had it. Uh, we had an instance recently where um, a, where doormats were stolen from a property, about $400, $400 worth. So not yeah. huge, you know, loss to the business. But um, luckily, our flock cameras were able, the police were able to use the cameras to locate the, the owner of the vehicle, go to his house. He sheepishly admitted he stole the mats and then returned them that day. So, oh, oh, great. So it's, that kind of, you know, thing is just making police work better. It was quite interesting. I was actually having a chat with another CID, uh, in fact, just yesterday on this topic of license plate recognition. Are you doing this on public streets or on private property? So these are on the public roadways. So our goal is to catch people as they enter and exit our district. So we, uh, we looked at the crime stats and worked with the Gwinnett Police and you know place them within our boundaries to, you haven't had yeah. any questions about um uh you know probable cause and the idea of surveilling everybody in order to track that is that well the thing is up? your license plate is public information if you have a car you know that's it's so it's not it's not recording people and it's not surveilling anyone um, we're not monitoring anyone. It's the police are using this solely for addressing crimes, finding stolen vehicles, that kind of thing. Oh, great! I mean, obviously, and, I'm, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in I'm in favor of that objective. I've just heard in other parts of the of the country that uh, sometimes it runs into some some legal challenges, and wondered whether that had come up yet or not. It hasn't come yet. No, it hasn't been an issue. I mean, for us, it's been a great success story. Um, we actually had a the week. I think it was within one week of putting our cameras out, um, a one-year-old girl who was the subject of an Amber Alert was located through oh. our cameras. So oh, fantastic. Located well, safely. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been, it, we really have only had success stories from this oh, project. That, that's so, great. Yeah. So this is Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about COVID and how you guys and your, and your constituents are dealing with that. In the meantime, uh, here's 30 Seconds with Sarah. This is your 30 Seconds with Sarah, your transportation news quick. The University of Liverpool has turned their attention solving a difficult problem all cities and counties face, detecting and assessing potholes, road cracks, and other road management issues. A number of reporting tools already exist for citizens, whether they be a call-in number, an app to report, but the University of Liverpool has developed an autonomous vehicle that's equipped with cameras and the latest in AI. According to a study by AAA, potholes cost U.S. drivers alone $3 billion annually. Here's hoping all of our roads will be a bit less bumpy in the future. Back to you, Brian. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, this is Travel Safety with Brian Mulligan. Uh, we're here today with Alyssa Davis, who's the executive director of the Sugarloaf CID. Uh, this is a, uh, a volunteer tax organization of, of property owners that are committed to improving their district. So uh, we talked about a lot of it, you know, interesting technical things and transportation things before the break. And uh, now we're let's talk about COVID and how you guys are, are seeing that. First of all, in your organization, you're all staying safe and, and staying well. And how, how are, you, are you working in the office again or how's yeah. all that going? 
Yeah, great question. So um, I uh, am the only employee of the CID. So in terms of that is a little easier to manage, right? I have been able to uh, be flexible. I did work from home for a while, but my I actually rent office space from the Gwinnett Chamber. So my office is in there. Oh. Um, and they've done a great job of COVID protocols, bringing people back to the office safely um, with temperature checks and wearing masks. And so um, I felt comfortable coming back into the office and have been back in the office. It is nice to be able to have the flexibility to work from home, you know, one day a week or two days a week when I don't have in-person meetings. But I, I also do like getting into the office and with the CID, a lot of things I need to go out into our community to see. So it is important for me to be in, in the community to go look at, you know, check our banners, make sure something is, you know, working right. So it's it's been good. Um, so your con I've, constituents at the commercial properties that that make up uh, the Sugarloaf CID, um, they've been, I'm sure, been facing their challenges. Uh, how's that looking as far as people going back into the office and, you know, the Class A office accommodation, mm -hmm. having nobody in it? How, how's that looking from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's been a mix depending on how big the company is. I think for smaller business, it's been easier to come back into the office. Um, so, you know, the smaller company is, the, the less <laughs> things they have to work out, I guess. So um, I think that's that's because we have a lot of small businesses in our area that's gone well i think also um for the suburban areas like gwinnett it's been easier for people to come back to the office as opposed to you know some of the folks downtown who have to figure out how to get people into huge you know multi-story uh, multi buildings, buildings with elevators and everything so i think that's been um a benefit to the sugarloaf area as well obviously you know the hotels have been hit in our area. The arena has been dark, you know, so that's that's been an impact on our community. Um, also, I would say, though, the good news is the hotels in Gwinnett are doing better than in other uh, parts of Metro Atlanta. So um, we do have some bright spots. And um, throughout this process, you know, from the CID's perspective, there hasn't been a you know, we've been doing everything we can to help our property owners by communicating, connecting them to people who can help, getting them answers, connecting them to resources, um, programs about the PPP and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. sharing as much information as possible as people tried to figure out what the next step is. There was that time that it was kind of changing every minute, it seemed like, of every day there was a new executive order coming out. And so we were just trying to pass along that information as quickly as possible. Um, you know, that seemed to be the best role for us as a smaller organization, but, you know, making sure our property owners and businesses knew the best resources that they could access to deal with the pandemic. Oh, that, that, I mean, that's a great resource. And uh, we're a Gwinnett company as well, actually, based, based in Gwinnett. And the combination of the PPP program, as well as the CARES Act, which uh, Gwinnett got some CARES Act funding and distributed mm -hmm. that among small businesses in Gwinnett was very powerful and very effective and I'm sure you you guys played your part in making all that a success and helping all these businesses uh, survive the this pandemic which uh, who knows exactly where it's up to but we're all optimists and uh, right. forward-looking otherwise we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning because um, <laughs> uh, finally I think to talk about the CIDs I, I love the idea that's the, this is a, 
uh, a private sector-led tax authority. Give us your elevator pitch about why should somebody join a, C a CID, and particularly your CID? Right. Well, it's a great question that we get a lot because, you know, as a whole, I would say most of our commercial property owner members are not folks who like to pay taxes, right? <laughs> Correct. But the great thing, the CID, uh, in really it's more of an investment than a tax is the way we like to look at it. So for every dollar you invest as a property owner in the CID, we can leverage $10 or even more than that to bring more benefits to the community. So the great thing about having a CID in your community is you know, we are investing our own dollars, but then we're going out and getting grants and we're partnering with, you know, Gwinnett County and ARC and GDOT to get projects done. So really, you know, you're kind of at a disadvantage, I think, in Metro Atlanta if you don't have a CID because, you know, all the major business districts, Cumberland, Perimeter, Buckhead, Downtown, Midtown have CIDs. And so, you know, we, we think our business community deserves that investment and having the advocate in the CID to improve our community. Because if you don't do anything, then you're gonna s slide backwards, right? You have to keep investing in your community. You have to keep making improvements. Just like in your own neighborhood, you don't wanna sit back and let the grass get overgrown and trash pile up. Um, the CID is making sure that we're keeping our community attractive and safe and we're investing in these long-term transportation projects so that we are viable and attractive for businesses um, long into the future. And I think that you make a great point, which is something that I hadn't really perhaps appreciated, that it's the multiplier effect that you're making an investment, but the folks like yourself are using that investment to get grants and, and proposals and so forth to get additional funding into the uh, community, which in turn makes a return on investment for the property owners because you've got better rentals, better businesses, and so forth. Yeah, and it, you know, most of our tax dollars, we don't know exactly where they go. In a, a, when they go into a CID, they're going into investments that are right outside your door, you know, that are improving the community where you are. So, um, and uh, as a property owner, um, you're eligible to serve on the board and the board makes the decision about how the dollars are spent. So oh, the ultimate of lo local government. Right, local, exactly. Local you spending. can't get more local than then in a CID. Fantastic. Alyssa, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Uh, this has been Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Our guest today is Alyssa Davis, who's the executive director of the Sugarloaf CID. Uh, don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app, including Apple iTunes and iHeartRadio. Until next time, I'm Brian Mulligan, and you've been listening to Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan on Business Radio X. Mm -hmm.